more. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. I am Kelly Minter, and I am so glad that you are here with me today. If you have been following along with us for a little while, you know that last week we finished a five-part series on the character of Christ. We talked about compassion, goodness, humility, gentleness, patience, my goodness, let's see what else, Uh, love and peace, forgiveness. So if you missed any of that, I would encourage you to go back, start at episode 22, go through episode 26 so you can catch that series. But here's the deal. We have something coming up that's going to be really exciting in just a few episodes. In fact, I say we because it really is going to be we and not only you and I, which it's been for this entire time, but I'm actually going to be interviewing some really amazing people about certain parts of scripture, and I cannot wait for that. So I'm going to tell you more about that in the coming episodes, but the next few episodes are really just going to be kind of one-off episodes, just some specific things that I've been thinking about, uh, maybe a message that I've given recently. And so that's what we're going to do today. Today is just a one-off message, and we're going to be in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, and if you've never spent time there, I want to encourage you. It is an incredible Psalm. In fact, C.S. Lewis says in his mind, Psalm 19 is the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So C.S. Lewis clearly thought it was a beautiful, beautiful poem and so gorgeous that actually the most beautiful out of all the Psalms. If you have the opportunity today just to have a Bible out and to be seated, maybe with a a journal or a piece of paper or whatever, to take some notes. This would be a good, this is just a reflective Psalm. Now, if you're like me and you're like, Kelly, I just don't have the time for that today. And you're in your car or you're folding laundry or you're doing dishes and you're listening, hey, listen, I totally get it. So it's fine. But if you have the opportunity, this is that type of Psalm where you want to get your cup of tea, you want to get in a comfortable chair, you want to be reflective, and you want to take this in. So what I want to do is I want to read the first six verses. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then what I really want to focus on is kind of the back half of the psalm, which talks about the the essence of God's word. Now, here's, here's what I want you to feel excited about today, is that God's word, the way that the psalmist describes this, in fact, it's a psalm of David, the way that King David describes the not just what the Word of God is, but what it does in our lives. It is so life-giving and so refreshing. So if you have been in a situation, maybe you've grown up in a legalistic or oppressive or, you know, do this. If you want God to be happy with you, don't do this if you don't want Him mad at you. If you grew up in that kind of a setting, I really hope that Psalm 19 will do some restorative work to your soul today because the psalmist has nothing but pleasant, hope-filled, life-giving thoughts about God's Word. But interestingly enough, the entire psalm actually doesn't, doesn't start off talking about God's Word. It starts off talking about creation 
And it seems like at first it's two different Psalms. It seems like verses one through six are all about God's creation and verses seven through 14, the rest of the Psalm are all about God's word. But we're going to see, and it's brilliant what David does here, it's actually all about God's word. It's all about God communicating with us. But we see that what he does broadly through creation, he does very specifically through the scriptures. So I kind of just gave that away, but I think it's going to help you because it's a lot to take in. I'm going to read all six verses because they are so beautiful. And this is Psalm 19. And this is what David says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There's no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So we see here that this this seems like a psalm about creation. And in some ways it is, but it's more than that. So I want us to look at this broad message of how creation declares the glory of God. And it's a message that speaks, but it speaks inaudibly. So creation speaks to us, but it speaks without words. And, and you know that. We, we communicate in a lot of different ways. I don't know if you've ever... Well, of course you've been in this situation. Of course you have. Where you're sitting at a table, and maybe it's a spouse or a friend or a child, and they start saying something that you know is either like inappropriate or it's not going to land or they're, they're basically about to tell a secret that's not supposed to be shared. And you don't say anything because you can't say anything, but you just give them that look. You know, you give them that eye. You can raise your eyebrow in a certain way. You can squint your one eye in a certain way. And you just look at that person like, you need to shut it. Like, this is not the right time. Or or it's the opposite. Hey, this is the time where I need you to engage, or I need you to be funny, or I need you to encourage. You know, we can communicate a lot without words. And creation most certainly does this. And so the, the psalmist talks about how the heavens declare the glory of God and how day after day they pour out speech. And what's so interesting is that night after night, they they pour out knowledge. And think about that. Um, you think about the nighttime. What is it about the nighttime that pours forth knowledge? Well, I was just uh, up at a friend's cottage in Upper Michigan. And again, if you've ever been up there, especially if you're really out of the way, which we were, it gets so dark at night and the stars come out like unbelievably so. And there's so many stars this one night, like as many as I've seen probably since I've been in the Amazon. And it was just, the, the sky was riddled with stars. Well, that's a knowledge that's being poured forth that we would not get in the daylight. When it is daylight, you cannot see the stars. But when it is dark, that is when knowledge is revealed. So the psalmist says that day after day, creation pours forth speech about who you are and about your glory. And at night, it reveals knowledge. I was sitting at that lake house, and I it was a Sunday morning when I was up there. And I, I, I love this little lake that we visit. And I had my coffee. I was so happy. It was like 64 degrees, no humidity. Uh, little coffee, you know, took my coffee down to the water, had my Bible. 
I was just so happy. And I was just going to take this kind of restful Sunday morning. And I, I probably was down there five or 10 minutes. And out of nowhere, a bald eagle comes flying down, hits the lake, grabs a fish, a huge fish. And this is not a fish story. Like this is an actual, like I'm telling you the truth. It was a very big fish and it flew off and the fish was dangling and about, I don't know how high up in the air it was, but he drops the fish and the fish splashes. And then this eagle circled for a while and flew off. Now, sidebar, my friend, we, later we saw the, the fish floating in the water and my friend's like, well, I mean, if that's like a walleye or something, I'm going to get it. And so she got in the kayak and she went out there. Turns out it was a pike. It had been dead for a very long time, which is probably why the eagle had dropped it. But nonetheless, I had this moment in nature when that bald eagle flew in, grabbed that fish, dropped it, circled the lake. It was just absolutely stunning. And I believe that that's the type of thing where David is saying that kind of nature, it just pours forth speech about the Lord. It, it pours forth that there is design and there, there is a designer. Um, it is beautiful. And then at night at that same cottage to see the stars and to be reminded that the knowledge it is, it is um, pouring forth, how amazing that is. Um, I think, and I'll, I'll share this just again as a, as a little bit of a sidebar, but I think I talked a few episodes ago about being in the Amazon jungles of Brazil a, a few months ago and taking a prop plane over the jungle about an hour and a half to another city. And when I looked outside of the plane, because we were flying low enough where you could see the jungle and you could see the Amazon river, and it just went on and it went on and it went on and it went on and it went on. And, it went on. and I... I started to, I had a physical, almost hyperventilation where I was trying to kind of catch my breath and just kind of calm myself down. And it wasn't because I was afraid of the super small prop plane. I wasn't afraid of us going down. I, I wasn't afraid. It wasn't like I was claustrophobic. It was that God's creation was so utterly overwhelming to me. I had never seen the magnitude of the jungle like that. And it, it was just overwhelming. And so the psalmist says it declares the glory of God. Okay, so all of that's great. Wonderful. Maybe you have had a situation over the summer or fall break or spring or winter or whatever, and you have had some gorgeous experiences in nature. And you have sensed God. You've sensed his, his glory. I, I uh, got to take a boat out with a new friend several months ago, and and he, he and his wife took me out on their boat, and he said that every morning he goes out to fish on the Atlantic Ocean in his boat. He goes, that's when I feel the closest to God, because it's just the creation is so beautiful. It's so overwhelming. So here is the shift in this, in this psalm, because we already know it's about to move from creation to, to the, the law or the instruction of God's Word, and this is what's so brilliant about it. Because what appear, like I said, to be two almost different psalms, they're actually a single psalm. And so here's this is the part that I really want to unpack for us today. And this is verses 7 through 14, okay? So just take this in. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. 
The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. So when the psalmist here makes that transition between verse 6 and 7, when he makes the transition between creation to God's word, what he is telling us is creation reveals God, but God's word reveals the Lord. Now, the, the Hebrew word here for Lord is Yahweh, and that was the personal name, the way that God had revealed himself to his people. And, and all tied up in that name Yahweh is a name of redemption and covenant faithfulness. So if creation reveals God generally, God's word reveals God personally to us. He reveal, it reveals the Lord. So what I want to do for the remainder of this episode, and I think that this is going to be really compelling and practical for us, is I want to pull out four of the elements that David pulls out about not just what God's Word is, but what it does, okay? Because he, he tells us it is this and it does this. And he does that a number of times in this psalm. You might have noticed that he'll say things like the Lord's law or instruction. He'll talk about it as the testimony or the precepts or his commands. All of those are synonyms, and they really have to do with the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and probably beyond that as well. But this instruction of the Lord. So I want to take these just kind of in order, and this is verse 7, where he talks about the instruction or the law of the Lord is perfect. Okay, so that's what it is. It is perfect. And that word perfect, it means whole, complete, lacking nothing. Now, I, I was pondering that, and I thought, you know, so often when I go to the Word, I, I don't go to it with that in mind, that it is whole. It is, it is complete in and of itself. The story of redemption, the, the revelation of who God is, and, and you know, post-David, post the psalm, who Jesus Christ is, who we are, it is in and of itself complete and whole. It doesn't lack anything. That's what it is. But here's what it does. He says, it renews one's life. And I love that it says one's life. Now, we know that it renews multiple lives, but I love that one because maybe you are listening today and you need to be reminded that your life can be renewed by the power of Jesus Christ and by the power of his Holy Spirit. This word renew means revive. It means refreshed. It means, it can mean to make return or to, to turn into repentance. But there's this idea that it brings about newness. The word of God actually changes us. You know, I was just working out and my friend has a Peloton. So I was on her Peloton and the instructor was talking about music that boosts a mood. And she was like, hey, I love this song. I heard it the other day. It really boosted my mood, and so I wanted to play it. And I was thinking about how things like that, things we enjoy, uh, music, a meal, it boosts our mood, but it doesn't necessarily change us. And, and I think so oftentimes we, we read a psalm like this, we read a verse like this, and we think, okay, the law of the Lord, it's, it is whole, and so it encourages me. It, it boosts my mood. It 
it um, lifts my head. But this word is much, much more than that. It, it really is about transformation. It doesn't just encourage, it changes. And I think that that is something that, that David really wants us to see here. And I, I will say this, and, I, and I've probably said this before in the podcast, that there is just no telling where I would be or who I would be without the Word of God. When we interact with the Word of God, we are interacting with God Himself. And so it is God who changes us, but it is often through His Word that we are changed. And so this, this renewal, it's, it's not just that it kind of you know, lifts our spirits for a little bit, but it, it actually brings us newness when we submit to it, when we're in it, when we're listening to it, it, it refreshes, okay? So the second thing that David talks about as far as the word is concerned is he says the Lord's testimony is trustworthy and it makes the inexperienced wise, or some of your translations will say it makes the simple wise. Okay, so what is it? It is trustworthy. What does it do? It makes the person without experience wise. All right, so let's talk about this for just a moment. Let's talk about this whole idea of God's instruction or God's testimony as being trustworthy. This is so important for me to hear because trust is just of utmost importance to me. I don't know what your history is like um, or what you've been through, but I am sure that there have been times in your life where you put your trust in someone and they broke your trust, or they broke your heart, or they abandoned you. I can very readily think about a situation where I had really trusted someone deeply, and it was a good friend, and I really trusted this person. And this person really broke my trust in just the worst way. And it was so painful. And I know that that is not a unique situation to me. But for some of us, this whole idea of trust is difficult for us to, um, to find, and it's so important for us. And so I love that David says that God's instruction, his law, is trustworthy. This is very important because when we think about all that God lays out in his word, what he has asked us to do, what he has asked us not to do, uh, the types of people he has called us to be, what he has told us about himself and his character, when it comes to that, if we can't trust it, then what do we have? What's the basis of our faith? And so I love that David starts off by saying, listen, you can trust the word because let's be honest, so many times what the word says, it requires us to put our trust in the Lord because there are times where the Lord asks us to do things that go against our nature. In fact, you might be in a situation right now where God through his word is very clearly telling you what you are to do in a situation, and you just don't want to do it because your sense is telling you, don't trust the Lord, don't trust his word. And so David is reminding us here, hey, listen, God's word, it is fully 100% trustworthy. You can trust it for all that it is. And I, I love that. That brings so much comfort and confidence to my heart. Uh, so often our culture is telling us, either directly or indirectly. Sometimes it's subtle, but they're basically saying, hey, the word of God, it's antiquated. It's out of touch. It's irrelevant. It's oppressive. You know, be enlightened, be free, get beyond God's word. And David says, no, no, 
the the word of God, the instruction, the testimony of the Lord, you can put your whole weight into it. You can put your whole heart into it. It can be trusted. And then that's what it is. So now what does it do? It does this. It makes the inexperienced wise. There have been so many times in my life where I have not known what to do. And I have gone to the scriptures and the Lord has made me who is simple and inexperienced in a certain situation. And and he has made me wise, not because I had it in and of myself, but because he showed me what to do. I think about the last series that we just did on the character of Christ. When has it ever been my idea to be patient with people when I have had really important things to do? When has it been my idea to show compassion when, or for other people when I myself am hurting? When has it been my idea to show humility and to demonstrate humility and to think of others more highly than I think of myself, especially when what feels good and what feels right is to be exalted and to assert our pride and to get even? You know, when has it been my idea to forgive someone when what I really want to do is hold them to it? You see what I'm saying? The scriptures constantly make us as inexperienced people wise, but not just in our moral behavior, but about who God is and about how life works and about what matters in this world and about where we're to invest our treasure and our time and who we are. Do you know how much the scripture has to tell us about who you are in Christ? So it just, across the board, it's trustworthy, and it makes the simple wise. Now, David, next he says, the Lord's precepts are right. Okay, so they are right. So, so far, he has said that they are whole. They are trustworthy. Now he says that they are right. But here's what it does. The precepts that are right, they make the heart glad. So let's talk about both of these for just a moment. What does it mean when David says the precepts of the Lord are right? Okay, this is not just right versus wrong. This is right as in straight, smooth, upright, as opposed to crooked. I love this imagery because it is a straight edge. Basically, he is saying that scripture is a straight edge. It is the plumb line by which all other ideas and philosophies and opinions are measured. And I got a really clear picture of this the other day because I am having a screened-in porch built onto the back of my house. I'm super excited about this. And if you want to know if I'm excited every single day and watch every single thing that the builders do, yes, I do, because I love it and I can't wait for it to be done. But all this said is there was one day where they were laying some cinder block and it was beautiful. They were they were just, you know, they had their trowels and the mortar, the it was just a gorgeous, you know, wall that was going around. Well, I went to exercise. I came back 35 minutes later and every cinder block had been overturned, the entire wall had been broken down, everything was in a pile and all the workers were gone. And I thought, you know, I don't know anything about building, but this just feels like we're going in the wrong direction. Like, this feels like not how something gets built. And it was a couple days later that I ended up talking to the builder, and he said, oh, yeah, well, what happened was, he said, as they were building this beautifully straight, gorgeous, um, you know, mini wall here, 
He said they were not able to line it up correctly. It wasn't lining up correctly with the original house. And they didn't want it to dry, so they had to tear it down. Basically, their, their plumb line was off. And it was better for them to take it down than to continue to build it and have it not match up. And I thought therein is the picture of what I think David is talking about here, that scripture is the straight edge. And it doesn't matter how beautiful of a wall you're building, how beautiful your life appears to be built, if it's not lining up with the plumb line of scripture, then we need to take some things down. And it actually is better to, to seem like we're going in the opposite direction and tear some things down so we can start over and align ourselves, align our lives with the Word of God. That is what is, is most important. And so I just to make this practical here, there may be an area in your life right now, and this happens you know, all the time to me, where I am in the Word and I'm convicted and I realize, you know what? I'm off the plumb line. And I have to realign my life. But here's what's so cool about this, is this doesn't bum David out. He says that the straightness, the straight edge, the reliable uprightness of Scripture, he says, you know what it does? It makes the heart glad. And just like I came home when they finally did get it right, and I could just see it all just beautifully, perfectly lined up and plumb, I was so happy and how true is that when we find Scripture to be that straight edge? When we align ourselves, it brings us joy. It makes our hearts glad. So if you have thought about, oh, the commands of the Lord, they're just such a bummer. They're such a downer. I always feel defeated. No. The, the, the goodness of the Lord, remember, this is God's communication to us about how to best live, not just by our choices, but how to be in relationship with Him. This should make our hearts glad. And then this final point that we're going to look at today, as far as these kind of like couplets are concerned, is that David says, the Lord's command is radiant. So again, that's what it is. And he says, and this is what it does. It makes the eyes light up or it lights the way. It enlightens our vision. So the, the Lord's command, it's radiant, it's clear, it's brilliant, it's pure light. And this actually connects to the sun connection that was in, uh, I think it's verse six of, of, um, of, the, of this very psalm. And so he connects the physical sun to now the word is like the sun, but just as the sun warms the earth and gives light to the earth, so God's word warms us and gives us light and it makes our path clear for us. Um, who doesn't need some light in their eyes? Who doesn't need their eyes lightened. Um, and the word of God promises to do this. It just, it illumines. And then um, again, just real briefly here, David talks about the fear of the Lord. It's pure. So we have a response. We are to respond to all of this, um, the, be the beautiful nature of the word. We're to respond to God. And we do that by fearing it, by respecting it, by revering what he has to say to us. And mostly we, we fear it by being obedient to the word. So David is uh, shifted there and focuses on our response. And this is the last thing that I really want to focus on today. And this was something that um, I, I think has been really encouraging for me as I've thought about this. And it may be a verse that you know well. But after he talks about the instruction, the testimony, the commands, all of those things of the Lord, he says in verse 10, they are more desirable than gold than an abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey 
dripping from a honeycomb. Now, this is interesting because there have been scholars that have said, now, wait a minute. I can understand God's promises to be like, you know, a honeycomb and sweeter than the honey. I can understand his his encouragement and his comfort. But the law, God's instructions, his commands, are these really, is that really sweeter than honey for us? Because sometimes it's bitter. Sometimes we get a hard word from the Lord. And sometimes it is painful for, you know, just toward our own human nature, or we have to make some choices that are painful. And so I I began to really think about this. And I thought, you know, the Word of God sometimes is an acquired taste. Some of it, we just love it right away, but sometimes it takes a while for us to love it like we love honey. And hopefully you love honey because I love honey. If you come to my house, I promise you, there won't just be one jar. Usually there will be like multiple jars. I love honey. And so hopefully this metaphor is working for you. But I was thinking, do I love the word like that? Well, here's what I mean by it being an acquired taste. When I was younger, the idea of tithing felt sour to me. It did not feel sweet. So if I had if I had spent, you know, six hours babysitting for just some really difficult children and I walked away with like 24 bucks or whatever the going rate was, 28 bucks, I can promise you that to give five of that away or eight of that away to a visiting missionary or to put that in the offering plate at church or to give that back to the Lord, that felt sour to me. But all of these years later, after walking, being trained by the Lord's heart in generosity, I love to give. Now, I'm not saying that This is never hard for me, but I, generally speaking, I love to give. It is now sweeter than honey to me because the Lord has trained me in it. I even think about sexual purity and how at times what the Bible taught about sexual purity felt absolutely stifling to me. And yet all these years later, I'm so thankful that because of God's grace and because of his instruction— I am at a place now where there is peace in my life. There is fullness in my life. I'm not carrying a ton of baggage from choices that, frankly, I would have made without God's Word. And so what God has to say about sexuality and our bodies and sexual purity and all of that is it's sweet to me now. What about being accountable to others? There was a time in my life where I didn't want to be accountable to anybody. I didn't like the idea of authority. That all felt very bitter to me. And now it feels like protection. It feels like covering. It's become sweet. So the psalmist says that the law is like honey. And so if there's an area in your life where it doesn't feel like it, doesn't taste like honey to you, would you submit yourself and stick with it? Because I do believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a day where you will read those very same words in scripture, those ones that were hard for you, and they will become like honey for you. So here is the question for us today. And I really want you to think about this. Do not skip over. I know you're going to be tempted to like, okay, she's done. No, this is the part where we get to make this real in our lives. This is what is going to make it matter. The the amount of time that you've spent listening to this podcast, let's make it matter in our lives. So how do we cultivate this in our lives? Spend time in God's word. Get to know it. Study it. If you're not in a Bible study, get in a Bible study. If there's a Bible study that you want to do, 
go grab a Bible study. There are so many, so many incredible Bible studies that have been written by amazing people. So get into God's Word, study it, commit to it. You know, you can get a six-week, an eight-week, a 10-week, get involved because it will only be us knowing it that we will be able to be changed by it. And then follow what the Word says. Follow its instructions. Because remember what David says, it's whole, it's trustworthy, it's renewing, it's gladdening, it's better than gold, it's more valuable, precious than gold, it is sweeter than honey. So we are to follow its instructions. So if there's an area of your life where you are being disobedient and you know it, repent of that, change. And then if creation reveals the glory of God, how much more does the word reveal Jesus Christ? You guys, this is not just about us following a law, following a list of rules. That is that is not the intent of the law. The law is God's word to us so that we can best live the precious life that we have on earth with one another and with him so that we can know who he is. So his word is all about relationship. If creation is speaking, how much more does God want to speak to you through his word? You guys, thank you so much. This has been um, just, a, like I said, a one-off Psalm 19 I'm not sure what the next episode or two are going to be, but then after that, I know exactly what we're doing. Like I said, I'm going to have some really special guests. I cannot wait for us to get into that series, but I just pray that you will hang with me because you know that wherever we go next episode, it will be somewhere in God's word, which is always relevant for our lives. And as David said, it makes the heart glad. So... Join me next week for the Cultivate Podcast. Also, if you have not subscribed to the Cultivate Podcast, subscribe. That way, it's just going to come to your inbox. It's going to be there. It, how easy is that? You can go to accessmore.com and subscribe. You can also uh, go wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want the show notes from today, you can go to kellyminter.com slash podcast. And I will look forward to seeing you for next week's episode of the Cultivate Podcast. Cultivate Podcast.